0: Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today we're continuing our series on biblical prosperity. Last two times we laid the foundation of God's will. Yes, God's will is to prosper us. But number two, God's purpose for our prosperity is that we would be a channel of blessing in the earth. It's not just for our sake, it's for uh, the kingdom of God. And so Uh, We need to let God prosper us so that we can be a blessing. And today we're going to consider what I believe is the single most important and fundamental issue um, or way of thinking about our money that will control really everything about how we approach our finances. And this is the principle of stewardship. In, In a nutshell, it means that we are not actually the true owners of our wealth. Our money belongs to God. Yes, it's been entrusted to us, but only on a temporary basis, because actually all the wealth of the world belongs to God. He's entrusted it to us, some to meet our needs, and also that we might extend his kingdom. But we've got to have a revelation that God is the owner and the Lord of it all. This is a very profound understanding that we're going to explore today. We are not the owners, but we are merely the stewards or the managers of God's resources. And that will affect how we approach our money. You see, if I was the owner of my money, I would be totally free to do whatever I wanted with it. I wouldn't have to answer to anyone. But if the Lord's the owner of the money, and I'm just a manager, then one day he's going to call me to himself and ask me to give an account for what I've done with it whether I've used it faithfully to fulfill his purposes or not. I'll be rebuked or praised and rewarded. And the Bible says that this will happen to all of us. And if we realize this, it will affect how we uh, go about things. It's not our money, but we have been given responsibility for someone else's money. You know, just imagine you had a manager who handled your money, and you trusted them with the right to spend it and use it, If he was a good steward, he would find out what's important to you, your plans, your purposes, what you want done with it. A bad steward will take that money and just use it all on himself, ignoring his master's purposes. He'll he'll actually act as if that money was was his own, spending it on himself. Many Christians fundamentally see their money as theirs, and and so if they give some away, They basically see themselves as being very generous. Our master knows that we need a certain amount of money for our own needs, but he also expects us to use it for his purposes, and a good steward will make sure he does that. You know, if you realise it's not yours and you'll have to give an account for how you've used it, that will change your whole approach. You know, if it was really yours, you could take it with you when you die, but you can't you've got to leave it behind. If it was yours, you'd have the right to keep it forever, but you can't because it's not actually yours. As it says, we brought nothing into the world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. It's temporary. What will be yours forever is your eternal riches. They will be your possession because you will have them forever. But your present finances is not your possession. It's just on loan, temporary. Your true wealth is your treasure in heaven. That's why Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Well, we get this. This is Jesus' teaching and particularly in the parables where this concept is emphasized. Let's go to three parables in Luke's Gospel. Luke 19, first of all, the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, and Jesus encounters him, and through that, he repents. In verse 8, he says, Lord, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Jesus said, today salvation's come to this house. Notice the context is money, his use of money. He promises now to stop abusing his money and power as a tax collector. He's gonna order his financial affairs correctly, according to God's will. And in response, Jesus told a parable to encourage him in that, not to, to, to fulfill his commitment. And so this is about our use of money. Verse 12, therefore he, he told a story. A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And this, of course, is a picture of Jesus who went to heaven to receive a kingdom and one day soon he will return. In the meantime, it says, he called 10 of his servants and delivered to them 10 minas and said, do business till I come. I want you to notice whose money it is. It's the master's money and he gave his money to his servants to do business, to occupy till he comes. And that's our situation, we're his servants. But it's his money and we are to use it for his purposes. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. The world, that's the world that says, we will not accept Jesus as Lord. But the servants do accept Jesus as Lord. Now, it says that when he returned, and soon Jesus is returning, having received the kingdom, he commanded these servants to whom he'd given the money to be called to him that he might know how every man had gained by trading. And so now they're going to stand before him and give an account of what they've done with his money. Then the first came saying, Master, your mina, whose mina was it? It was the Lord's mina. Your mina has earned 10 minas. He says, I've been busy for you. I've been using your money fruitfully. And it's 10 minas. And, you know, sometimes we can think, well, look, I've tithe, And the 10% belongs to the Lord and the rest of it's mine to do whatever I want with. No, the 100% actually is God's. And you'll have to give an account for all of it, not just the tithe. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over 10 cities. That's a good return on his investment. Now, I want you to notice that although those 10 minas was a lot, Jesus said, that's a very little. You see, in God's eyes, the money we have now, I don't care how rich you are, to God, that's very little. It's pocket money compared to heaven's riches. But if you are faithful with the, the riches that you have now you will be entrusted with great riches in eternity. How you handle your finances is very important to God. Notice how generous God is. He gives them ten cities. That's a massive reward for what he did. God is very generous. And notice the key quality required in a steward is faithfulness. As it says in Corinthians, it is required in stewards or managers that one be found faithful. We need to show ourselves faithful in how we handle our money. Faithful to fulfill God's purposes. A second one came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Not quite as well, but still fruitful. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Not as a bigger reward, not as much praise. There are different degrees of eternal reward. Then another came, saying, Master, here's your mina, which I've put away in a handkerchief. I've done absolutely nothing with it, for I feared you, for you're an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit, and you reap what you did not sow. And this was a lie. He believed a lie about his master, that he was austere, he wasn't mean, he was unfair, he would even steal, he was ungenerous. He didn't try and do anything with that money, because he didn't believe in the goodness of the Lord. In fact, he believed that any money he earned, the master would just take it away from him. He would steal it even. In other words, this servant saw that money as his own. And, uh, and he, he did not believe also that the Lord would be generous to reward him. And so he didn't even bother to do anything from the Lord. And so he was wrong, because the Lord is generous. And if you're faithful with your money now, God will reward you generously. But basically, he also did not see that he was, uh, you know, he, he felt the Lord would just take what wasn't his. But it's all the Lord's money. That's the first thing you have to understand. And then he said to him, out of your own mouth, I'll judge you, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I was an austere man, collecting what I didn't deposit, reaping what I didn't sow. You know, he wasn't admitting that was a true accusation. He said, well, if that's what you thought of me, why didn't you put my money in a bank? Notice, my money, it's the Lord's money in the bank that it might earn some interest. And he said, take the mina from him and uh, and give it to him who has ten. He lost all his rewards and the rewards were given to the faithful one. For I say to you, everyone who has will be given more. From him who doesn't have even what he has will be taken away from him. And notice this lazy servant was wicked because he didn't believe that God was generous and he lost all his rewards. But he was still saved because the enemies of God are described in the next verse. He says, but bring those enemies of mine who rejected Jesus as Lord, who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. And that's what Jesus will do when he returns. There's another parable in Matthew 25 of the talents that tells the same message. The key revelation here is that the money did not belong to the servants. It was entrusted to them. And I'm sorry if that's bad news, you know. But just, it's a thing that you need to get to grips with this is not your money, you're going to give an account to the Lord, how you have spent it. You know, if you gave, if, if you gave someone, if someone gave you a thousand pounds, how you deal with that money is going to be very different if it's actually your money, to do as you please, or you've just been put in charge of that money, your attitude will be very different. We've got to get it into our heart, we're going to give an account, and we're going to be rewarded for how we use God's money. And that brings us on to our next parable in Luke chapter um, 12 about the rich fool. He was a fool because he thought that his money was his own to have forever. Then he said a parable to them, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. This was God's financial blessing on him. It was God who was giving him this wealth. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do because I've got no room to hold all these fruits? What should he have started to do? Start giving, and God could have blessed him even more. But he wasn't thinking about God or people, just himself. So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns, I'll build bigger barns, and I'll put all my fruits and all my labor. And all he's concerned about is storing up more and more for himself. This will keep me going forever. This is mine forever. And I will say to my soul, soul, you've got much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, drink, eat, drink, be merry. Totally self-centered. He sees it as his money. God's not in the picture. Guess what God said to him? You fool. You fool. You're foolish because you don't see the big picture. You don't see that this money is just on loan to you from the Lord. And if a person who serves money rather than God is a fool, I don't care how rich they are. Don't be jealous of these wealthy people that seem to don't give God a second thought, they seem to have everything. God considers them a fool, because soon they're gonna lose it all. Uh, You know, God doesn't mind us being rich as long as we are rich also towards God. You fool, says God, this night your soul will be required of you. Now you're gonna find out that money isn't was never yours. It was just on loan to you. And then, whose shall all those things be which you have provided? Not you. You can't take it with you. You're a fool because you haven't invested in your eternal future. You'll have nothing. It's foolish just to think for the present and not plan for the future. And the lesson of where he missed it is in that final verse where it says, so is he who lays up treasures for himself, thinking it's just his money and is not rich towards God. Had he realised it was God's money and that he needed to be rich towards God and use that money for God's purposes, then he would have been such a blessed man, not only in the present life, but also in eternity. But he was a fool because he just thought it was his money to do whatever he wanted with, and it was short-sighted. And now we want to get to our final parable in Luke chapter 16, a fascinating parable. And it says that he said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. This is a picture of God. God is rich. And we are the steward because uh, we are stewards of God's money. And this man was a bad steward. He was squandering all the money on himself. He was acting as if it was his money. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. It gets back to the master, this man's wasting your money. He's acting like it's just his own money. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be a steward. He's been given notice that his stewardship's coming to an end, you see. He won't be a steward for much longer and he'll soon have to give an account for all the money that's passed through his hands and this is like us when we realize that this life this stewardship is not going to last forever in fact it will soon end this life so short compared to eternity god says to us your stewardships coming to an end soon and you'll have to give an account of how you've used my money many christians you know act as if it's their money and sometime in their life they get a real shock a real wake up call i'm not going to live forever And soon God's gonna call me to account. And I've done very little so far in terms of building his kingdom. I need to get ready for eternity. And they're suddenly aware their stewardship time is running out and they're not in good shape. And then the steward said to himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig and I'm ashamed to beg. He wakes up, he sees the big picture he sees he hasn't made provision for eternity, for, for the next stage of his existence. What am I going to do, he says. And then he comes up with a clever plan. I've resolved what to do, that when I'm put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him. And he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. He cancels their debt. Now this is scandalous. He's giving away his master's money. It's not his money, it's his master's money. He's giving it away. But you know, forgiving people's debts is part of giving, isn't it? And he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. He's cancelling debts. He's giving away his master's money, but he's the steward. He's got the right to do that. Why does he do it? Because he knows that after he's kicked out, you see, he's going to turn up at these people's houses and they're going to say, oh friend, you gave us that money, you cancelled our debts, come in, have a nice meal. Do you need a job? We'll look after you. And suddenly he'll have all these friends around town that will give him a warm welcome into their houses. And we might expect Jesus to say, and often his parables had a twist, and people are expecting Jesus to really tell off the steward, what a terrible man he is. How dare he give his master's money away. Unjust. He was unjust before but now he's just making things worse. But actually the the twist is Jesus commended him for his action. Verse 8, so the master, that's God, commended the unjust steward. He had been unjust but now he was doing something right. He commended him because he had dwelt wisely. And you know, when you suddenly realize time's running out for you to prepare for your eternal future, and you start to decide to give away God's money, is He to help people in need? Is He going to be upset with you? No, He's going to commend you for being a channel of His Master's money, of your Master's money. Praise God. Yes, He was one who squandered it all on Himself, but now He was getting His act together and pleasing the Master. Jesus said, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. In other words, he's saying, you can learn something from this clever steward. And then he applies it to us. He says, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves, friends, by unrighteous mammon. See, money is not evil, but it neither Does it have eternal value? It's just without righteousness. It's not positive, negative, it's neutral. It doesn't have real eternal value. It's your rewards that are really gonna be valuable. But he says you can make friends for yourself by your money. That's a funny statement, isn't it? That when you fail, they may receive you as friends into the everlasting mansions. See, when you fail means when you die. Some manuscript says when it fails, when the, when the money fails. In other words, when material things that no longer matter, that's when you die. He says, but you can prepare for when you fail. You can use your money to make everlasting friends who will receive you into their mansions in heaven. You know, we're like the steward. Perhaps we've wasted the Master's money all on ourselves. We realize we're going to die soon, we're going to meet the Lord soon. We need to start make preparations. We need to start giving it away. And what we do will affect our eternal future. We have a very interesting master. He actually commends us when we give away his money. And he says we can make eternal friends with his money. He says, I say to you, make friends for yourselves with your money, that when you fail, they will receive you into the everlasting homes. You see, these are the people who are saved, who are helped, who are changed through the money you give, because God, on his computers, he keeps accounts of all that you give into the gospel to save souls, praise God. All the good causes you might give to that help people physically and spiritually. Uh, All the times you help people in a crisis, and you know, all of that has a cascading effect. Because when one soul is saved through what you give, they may then reach and save other souls. And God has this all in his records. And so whatever you give is creating many good things. Praise God. And there'll be many people in heaven who will, whose lives will be changed, who are there in heaven because you gave to missions, to other such things. Praise God. You don't know where that money's going when you give it in an offering, but God knows every soul that's reached, every soul that's changed, every life that's improved, praise God. And those ripples go on and affect thousands and thousands of people. And if you've been faithful in your giving, when you get to heaven, there'll be a massive reception of loads of people, most of which you don't even know, but they will walk up to you and say, thank you for giving in that offering because that saved my life. Because that evangelist I got the gospel, and it saved my soul. And it was through your giving that that happened. And you will be welcome in them. You will have many, many friends in heaven. But if you have not used that money right, if you've spent it all on yourself, treating it as your money, then there won't be any reception committee for you because you will not have reached any lives at all. And what a sad thing that would be. You can make eternal friends by giving away the Master's money. If that man hadn't done that, and he would have been kicked out the stewardship, he would have been a lonely, sad soul. But he was wise, he gave it away, he made friends, and he had a wonderful life after he left the Master's stewardship. And so a big part of your reward in heaven is the joy of all the people that you know you have reached, that you have helped. Praise God. If you've given to evangelism, then all those souls will be there who you had a part in their salvation. Praise God. And Jesus then makes it clear that he is talking about money, faithfulness in money. He says, he who is faithful in the least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in the least is also unjust in much. And this is the general principle. In any area of life, you have to prove yourself faithful in the little thing. Then you'll be given more to be faithful on. Parents do this with children. You give them a little bit of freedom, a bit of responsibility. If they're faithful, then you can give them more. And if you show yourself faithful in the little that you have, God can trust you with more in this life. Don't say, well, when I get a million pounds, then I'll start giving to my church. That will never happen. You need to be faithful in the little that you have now, and give out of that, and then God can give you more. And then Jesus applied the real, this general principle to our money. He said, therefore, according to this principle of the little and the much, therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, money, who will commit to you the true riches? Notice he's saying that money is the least thing. We think it's the main thing but to God it's the least but it's important he says because unless you prove yourself faithful in the least in the area of money you know because it's least because it's nothing compared to eternal riches but your true wealth by the way is not what you have down here it's what you're building up up there but if you're not faithful in the little nobody's going to trust you with the true riches And so your money is important. It might not seem spiritual, but how you handle your money affects greatly your eternal rewards. Are you using your money for the kingdom of God? Are you being faithful in that least thing? Because if you're not, he will not trust you with eternal riches. I'm sorry, but he won't. That's what this verse says. Verse 12, If you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, notice what we have in this life is not ours, it belongs to the Lord, it's another man's. Who will give you what is your own? And again, he's talking about your eternal riches here. They will be your own in a very real sense because you will possess those eternal riches forever. They'll never be taken from you. So he says, unless you're faithful in what is the Lord's on this earth, you can't, you won't be trusted with eternal riches. Then he concludes, No servant can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one or love the other. He'll either be loyal to the one or despise the the other. You cannot serve God and money. He's saying you've got to make a decision now over your money. If you're going to be faithful in your finances, you've got to make that decision that you're going to serve God with your money. You're not going to just love money and reject God. You are going to love God with that money. How, what's the first key there? The key is to realise it's not your money, it's God's money. And therefore, you're going to be faithful with it. Don't be a foolish man who thinks it's his money and end up losing everything. Be wise. Realise that's God's money. And be faithful with that money. And use it and give it for the kingdom of God. And then, praise God, you will have eternal riches forever and ever.